The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and welcome to a very special episode of Podcast Beyond. I'm your host, Max Scoville, and today we are joined by Stig Asmussen from Respawn Entertainment, who is the game director on Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order. Welcome, yeah. Stig. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's, it's a great opportunity for uh, the team. We have a lot of burning questions, and of course, I'm joined by Jada Griffin and Josh Dew, hello. both of whom hey. played through this, this massive, awesome, epic game. Uh, this is one hell of a sequel. I'm... Really, really enjoyed it. And obviously, there's a lot of stuff to talk about within the game and things that, uh, you know, maybe you didn't know about if you haven't finished the game. So if you haven't finished the game, close the, whatever you're watching or listening to on this. Just get, run, go, hi, cover your ears, hide, leave, uninstall Spotify or whatever. Just get it, just go away because we're going to spoil the whole thing. That's the whole point of a spoiler cast. All right, we good? Okay, so, um, yeah, Bodakuna is the big bad. He's the plot twist. He's he, you're jumping in there. You're, you're, <laughs> no, we're, we're getting in the deep end here. We're getting right to it. He's, you know, he's set up as this wonderful kind of charismatic fun guy. And then surprise, it's, you know, it's not Ravis. It's not, uh, you know, uh, Dagen, Dagen, Dagen Garrett, Dagen Abbott. Um, it's Bode. W- was this always the plan? How did this come to be? I want to know sort of how did, how did Bode become a character? Well, let me ask first, did you all fall for the, the twist there or? I didn't trust him. You didn't trust I him. didn't trust him. It seemed too good. Like it felt like early on on Coruscant, it felt I was like, okay, cool, this is cool. And like all the promotional materials is like, hey, this is an ally. So it's really sold me as that. Um, I think what really got me was the I think at the second fight with Dagon, and then he starts like just appearing after like Dagon like threw him out and like was doing all these like force things. I was like, how is Bode in here? Like this doesn't make sense. Like if he's just a normal dude with a blaster, like he shouldn't just be appearing randomly so that was like that was my tip off point i was like something bigger is going on with bode yeah it's interesting like when we were play testing the game we saw like some people saw bode coming from a mile away mm-hmm. and they still liked it because it made them feel smart <laughs> and uh you know the the people that that were just floored floored by it um you know they loved it as well too but it's a it's an interesting story um bode is is kind of like the uh Born out of our narrative director, Aaron Contreras, um, he had this idea of all movies was uh, Point Break. Mm, um, okay. And uh, where you've got kind of this... this, this Bode and Bodhi. Yeah, yep, Bode and Bodhi. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's already a Bodhi in Star Wars. He had to go with yeah, that. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so that was kind of the genesis for it. And uh, we, we wanted to have this character that, you know, they they have this this friendship this bond but then just take the player on the ride and learn you know this guy's a traitor 
at the same time that that Cal learns it. Um, but yeah, we're you know he's he's a great fight at the end. It's it's you know kind of the thing that really um, really was um, most of the emotion in the game mm-hmm. is kind of born out of that. So yeah, we were really happy with how it turned out. I think it's and Nashir was amazing. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, not at all. No, um, I, I think it's interesting because like Lucas always talked about like Star Wars being like poetry and kind of rhyming, and we think of Star Wars sequels, and obviously you know sequels in general. Empire Strikes Back sets like a pretty huge precedent, and I feel like Bode had kind of elements of two twists in Empire, which is you know Lando, this like charismatic scoundrel who's your pal, double crossing you, but then he's also kind of a subversion of Vader in that he's you know Vader is a dark Jedi who you find out as a father, and then with Bode, it's this nice dad dude who turns out to be a dark Jedi. Yep. Uh, was this was this like a deliberate choice? I guess sort of aside from Point Break, where did his character come from? Well, I mean, he's the the name of the game is Jedi Survivor, but you could you could almost say it's Survivors. Mm. It's, it's you know you've got Cal, you've got Bode, you've got Seer, and um, you know all these people are doing whatever it takes to to survive. And you know Bode's got his own story, he's got his own motivations, but they're they're all in parallel with Cal as well too. So we thought that that would be a good way of kind of like reflecting on Cal's journey is, and like how he made decisions differently and he's still able to stay altruistic in the face of this, you know, this incredible um, you know, dark presence. So that's, that's kind of, you know, something that we were always trying to uh, play with, with the game and, and um, you know, learning that th- this guy's a force user, not just a swashbuckler, um, very, po- very powerful. Um, and somewhere along the way, you know, in his in his obsession with kind of being the father, um, you know, he Bode literally loses the plot. Mm. I mean, that in itself is kind of that's sort of echoing Vader in Revenge of the Sith. It's like that attachment is what mm-hmm. is what drives you know decisions. Um, now you were talking about Survivor, sort of. Are you you guys were thinking about Survivor before Fallen Order ship? Like you you kind of had ideas for a sequel going on in your head. Um, what was, what was left? Was there stuff in, in Fallen Order or that didn't make it into Fallen Order that made it into Survivor? Was there like things that you were like, oh, we got to hold on to this. Let's save this for the next one. Um, in regards to mechanics, uh, absolutely. Like we had never fully fleshed out like the twin stance. It was more of a super Mm. in in Fallen Order. And, uh, we were very close to having it, having it done, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't ready to come out of the oven yet. But I would say within six to eight weeks after shipping uh, Fallen Order, we had twin stands working in the game. Um, wow. We, and, you know, we had, t- had conversations about a heavy, um, had com- conversations about how, how much fun would it be to have a blaster. Um, but, you know, the Fallen Order, I mean, we, we got that game. Like, that game was like, you know, we were building the airplane and flying it at the same time. We were just hoping it, it could land. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's... In regards to story, I don't think that there was anything that like um, any unfinished business that we had. We we're we we're pretty happy where uh, where where it ended up, but we knew that we wanted to do do a time jump um, when the next game started because it was part of the intrigue. I think as a player and as a as a fan is just you know you're wondering what happened in the crew, what happened during these five years. Why are, why are they apart from each other? And I think that's something that like in the early stages of the game, which it might feel like it's kind of slow, but that's very deliberate uh, because we're trying to, you know, take the player on, on this ride and like, you know, uncover, turn, turn over the zones and find out what happened to this, this crew. 
I mean, it feels it feels authentically Star Warsy, and that like Empire has that going on, where they're like making yeah. references. I mean, Star Wars starts in Episode Four. Right. There's always that sense of missing something, and that that's what kind of helps it feel like there's this galaxy going on. You know? Yeah, and, and and no, we didn't know exactly what we were going to do with the second game um, in regards to story, but when we do work on stories, we think about okay, what happened before and what happened after the story, because if we can answer those questions, then it makes everything that's in between feel more legit. And you brought up the uh, heavy stance earlier. I mean, among all the other stances, but I really want to zero in on that one just because I think a lot of people were just like, how does this, why is it heavy? Like, it's a lightsaber, right? Like, how, what went into the, like, the development of like, making it seem heavy, even though we all know it's a lightsaber? Yeah, it's, yeah, heavy, heavy was a working title, a working name. It was, um, it's all about having timing windows that are different. We wanted to, we wanted every like stance to have its own personality. And this yeah. is one where you had to be more deliberate mm -hmm. with each swing. And uh, there's kind of a, the way that we don't, when we were animating it, we weren't thinking of it in terms of it being actually a heavy weapon, mm -hmm. but more determined and confident. Um, when Cal makes his strikes, he's, he's committing more. Yeah. than where the other ones like, at the opposite end of it, it's like twin or, or um, staff. You know, that's he's he's basically like a human propeller. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and he's just like um, the flourishes are just that more fantastic. But um, you know, we as soon as we got the heavy in the game, I was I got a smile on my face because it does feel different. We did yeah get a, a unique personality for it. Oh, I, I think I played ninety percent of the game with cross guard. Once I got oh, yeah. it, I was just all cross guard. There was a couple fights where I had to swap to like blaster and dual wield, but I was cross guard all the way. So and like because I like that deliberate gameplay. So you guys definitely succeeded on that. Um I know you said like like propeller with the dual the dual blades, like how much of that was kind of pulled from like, you know, Darth Maul and other dual blade sabers users that we've seen? That's, that's one of the best things about working on Star Wars is there's so much reference that we can pull from. And whenever we start, um, you know, we'll do a one page, the kind of like, or maybe a couple sentences, like descriptor of like what we want out of it. And that'll get uh, blown out into like a one page. Mm -hmm. After we've got the one page, um, which usually is more like five to 10 pages, um, at, it's at that point during that whole process, we're collecting all these references, YouTube links. And uh, this isn't just coming from one person it's collectively about everybody there's, there's the combat designer there's the animators there's the leads that are all kind of like feeding into this uh effort and speak just keep going i loved all the stances mm -hmm. uh like the blaster stance i think is one also that you guys also kept it pretty uh under wraps uh in all the preview stuff yep. um deliberate yeah and any reason for that um because we just didn't want to spoil everything before we yeah. wanted people it's a, it's a really special moment when you get to unwrap that gift yeah and uh we didn't want to like you know you know show all our cards and 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 uh spoil people i mean that's why we didn't we mentioned coruscant but we didn't meant we didn't mention you know why coruscant what's happening there at the beginning mm -hmm. of the game because we want people to like you know from the very opening moments be like seeing something fresh and that, that they're enthralled with and that's something that um you know most likely, I mean, most games that I've worked on and what I work on in the future, I'm probably not going to give away the, the beginning of the game yeah. or the end of the game for that matter. And it's just like such a unique thing in Star Wars as well that somebody's like has a lightsaber and a little pistol. Uh, I mean, Bode has it by the end as well. Um, 
what other things were you thinking about working into that stance? Because like there's ammo and the way you refill the ammo is you got to hit with the lightsaber. Like talk about the development of that because it's never really been done before, I feel like. Well, I mean, I think the front and center with the, with the blasters is just the fact that you've got this push and pull, like kind of this tug, tug of war that's going on for the player where they can do the ranged attacks, but then they're forced to go back in to recharge their shots. Mm. Um, and it's it's kind of an it's it's an elegant dance that that, that you're performing there and um it, once again it's something that feels very different than the other stances that we have in the game and it's something that speaks to the fact that uh you know in these unconventional times cal's going to do unconventional things as a jedi mm-hmm. to um you know to survive yeah that seems like kind of a, a a big thing these days in Star Wars is the the morally gray, you know, because like the, the earlier stuff is very much very like archetypal. There's good and evil, and now we're we're getting I don't know you're getting stuff like Andor, you're getting stuff like this where it's not you know Cal's breaking a lot of Jedi rules, like he's he's doing what he has to do to survive. Um, was that I guess did you run into trouble with that? Like was that was there kind of a push and pull with um, with the story group allowing like what what a Jedi can and can't do? I guess let's talk, let's talk about Cal a little bit. Let's talk about sort of where he's at and the changes that he undergoes in this game. Yeah, I mean, you start the game, he's basically, you know, I think Grease calls him like a, a human lightsaber. You know, like he's, he's just going around trying, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, wading in the muck, uh, trying to do what he believes are good things, but they're all adding up to nothing because the Empire can't be beaten. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's you you talk about this kind of like morally gray. I mean, I think that that, that we find ourselves there because, like I said, I mean, he's going to do whatever it takes. Um, you never know what's around the corner because he's always he's constantly being hunted. Um, you know, the whole crew's kind of a reflection of that as well. They've all splintered and they're doing their own thing to survive. And uh, I find the sto- the story when you when you're if it's if it is that those shades of gray, I find it much more nuanced and interesting. And, um, you know, as a player, uh, you have to make different sacrifices in the game. And uh, it was just the, the most important thing t- to us as a team was, does, do those sacrifices, do they pay off? Do they feel like they're worth it? Does it, do they feel like something that Cal would, he's in the position to do, is this the decision that he would make? So you feel like, you know, you're connected to that as well as a player. Was there ever a point where Survivor had a morality system? No. No, was nope. that was that just what was the reasoning behind that? Um, this is a Star Wars canon story, and uh, you know Cal is a, a real character in Star Wars, and and having that, I don't think there's anything wrong with having that system, but having a character that that has a real story that that um, is going to start and end a certain way uh, means that we can't have that level of that degree of flexibility, um, and it's also something that I think if we there's so much more that we did in the game. If we tried to explore something like that, even outside of Cal, then we we might have kind of lost our focus a little bit on on, on, on telling, executing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the parts goals. there's parts where it seems like you're almost setting that up. Like if you do certain things, it's going to give you the good ending or the bad ending. Like there's a couple you know sort of dialogue choices with the Jedi mind trick. You know, you get the the dark force powers, and you're like, should I be doing this? Right. And like I was half expecting there to be. Oh, there's a good ending and a bad ending. You know, there's something like that. But well, I mean, you were you're asking the right questions, though. You're saying, should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's what we wanted you to feel like. <laughs> um, if you were hoping for like, you know, the bad ending or the good ending, I'm sorry that 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 didn't pay off. But uh, <laughs> um, we, like I said, we wanted the, the game has to end a certain way. Um, you know, for 
Cal's legacy and his history to be legit. Maybe I just don't have any morals because when I got like all the dark powers, I was just like, cool. Like I get to tap into this. Like I want to tap into these darker powers. Give yeah, that, me more. That's one of my favorite moments in the game is, is that, yeah. that scene with, uh, where Cal meets Kata um, and then Bode barges in on them. And then, you know, like, and, you know, Cal's, uh, you know, already taken on the, uh, the head of the ISB base and everything. Mm -hmm. It's, it was, it was all, um, that power fantasy when you actually unleash the, unleash that rage is, is pretty uh, off, off the hook. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, I think having that... And then I'm, I'm really glad you guys kept that power as the super because then uh, I was saving that the Ogdo-Bogdo double fight. Mm. I was like, I can't... <laughs> I mean, let me get this out of the way. I hate that frog. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate that stupid frog. Just and, a little bit of trouble there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> little is uh, maybe, you know, underselling it. Um, but yeah, I, I was wait. I, I found the force tear for the, the double fight. Yeah. And like, I died like immediately. I'm like, I'm not touching this for a while. And then when I got that new super, I was like, Maybe I can go do this now. And I, you know, it still took me a few tries, but it, it was definitely a lot more doable. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, just, I hate that fight. That, that fight was amazing, though. There was a, we actually, like, days after the game came out, there was a, a YouTuber, or a, no, a Twitch streamer, I believe in Poland, that had been playing it for like 36 straight hours and uh -huh. he didn't stop. And like everybody at work had it like up on their monitor. <laughs> <laughs> like we were all watching him and we were sending him messages you know we're watching you right now and, and it was uh and he was playing the double fight or the double first fight one? okay oh yeah goodness. yeah yeah i mean i struggled enough with the first one like because in the in fallen order you can cut the tongue off yes yep. which makes it like definitely more manageable but you can't do it with this new one the spawn and i was i was just so pissed i mean you couldn't even do it with the original when you got the double fight you couldn't even regular ogdo you couldn't cut his tongue in this one either like that oh, really? mechanic. Yeah, I tried. Oh my god. Unless I'm missing something. There's, Can we there's cut There's definitely a lot of tweaks that went into uh okay. um making both of those feel more punishing uh <laughs> than, the, than the first games. That was that was like part of the ten percent where I had to swap off a cross guard because it was just was too slow with two Ogdos rushing at me on Grandmaster. So what like, difficulty were you all? Oh, Grandmaster all okay. the way. Yeah. I was on normal, I think. Yeah, okay. I was playing on normal mostly, yeah. and then I, I there were a few parts where I was like, I just want to see what happens next. I want to see the story, so I just yeah, put it down baby mode. Yeah. Yeah. I actually or did that with story. Vader. Uh, the Vader the fight Vader after fight. a few tries, I was like, I think I'm gonna have to dial this down a bit because it was. I mean, I I liked his appearance in Fallen Order, but then when he shows up in Survivor, I was like. Oh my god, like I am scared. <laughs> like every time I went up to fight him, I was like, this is actually a, a harder boss battle than it was in Fallen Order. Yeah, it wasn't a boss battle. Oh, that's right. Like he was just like, yeah. he just shows up. But yeah, actually fighting him, I'm like, oh, now I understand like who he is in this universe, like how feared he is as well. It's awesome. I had so much issue with with Vader. Like that fight was probably tougher than the the Bode fight for me. Like yeah. I think I had more issue with that. I mean, and he that really was, throws the book at you. He hey, really does. All of them. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. The fact that I'm like Grandmaster, like when you get to the later stages and the, the big the big ball of books that he throws at you, the archives, <laughs> like it was like almost a one hit for me. Like kill. I was like, oh, okay. So I'd either like be perfect or just die. He does the pull and the choke. That was yeah. oh the pull and the choke. I mean, it's so 
like canonically Vader. Yeah. But it was, and it was so frustrating every time because I would like he'd pull me in and then he'd knock me away and then he'd pull me in and then knock me. I'm like, make up your mind. Like, <laughs> just tell me what you want. Do you want me close? Do you want me far away? I don't know. <laughs> so Vader in the first one was like a very that was a big surprise. That was definitely something that got kept carefully under wraps. And this time around, it was like still you know, a surprise, but it's also, we weren't not expecting him, I guess. Like it's kind of more of a thing, but you know, you've, you'd already done Vader once. The one that I thought felt like, oh hell yeah, we get to do this was the Rancor. Mm. Right. That felt like just like who got, who got assigned the Rancor? Like how were people fighting over it? Like was that, what was, what was it like making such like an iconic monster? Cause that is, that is a star Wars boss fight, you know? Yeah. The Rancor was difficult. Actually, this is something that we wanted to have in the first game. Like, we're talking about things that, like, we didn't make it into the first game, and we wanted to have a Rancor. And it was a big conversation back and forth with Lucasfilm. And with anything, they want to make sure that, like, the story of the game, like, earns it. Um, and that was a conversation that went on until we shipped and it never got in the game. But we continued the conversation going. Um, we had some of our... Uh, we, we made a rough model. We had uh, we rigged it, had our combat designers um, start to sketch out fights. And as the conversation was going on, we had a, a Milestone Summit review meeting with Lucasfilm. And we said, hey, check this out. And um, just seeing it like come to life, I think was enough to kind of sell it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, little details that we had in there, like the bone. And uh, it's it's... The other thing, too, is it's kind of unexpected because of where it happens in the game. It's mm-hmm. not part of the main story. You can mm-hmm. miss it. There's multiple other encounters uh, later on in the game as well, too. So for such a big feature, um, this is an example of us trying to, like, you know, have a high-dollar moment that's off the main path. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. immediately... That made me feel like... Uh, it reminded me of FromSoft games. There's, yeah, there's like, there's exactly. faith that the players are going to find this thing, and it's mm-hmm. such a huge payoff to find it. And we talk about Ogdo. I mean, like, this was basically Survivor's version mm-hmm. of, like... Because Ogdo was early in the game on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, we're really happy with the way it came together. I mean, the, the bone thing you mentioned is, is really funny because I've heard multiple people talking about how they didn't realize that's what you were supposed to do. And I was like, mm-hmm. you should check out this great walkthrough video called Return of the Jedi. It tells you exactly <laughs> what to do. Was that like always part of the plan? Like you got to throw a bone in his mouth. Like that's got to be. I don't remember how that one came up. I, I just think it was, it was probably the combat design team having fun. And, uh, you know, I actually stumbled upon it one time when I was playing the game. Um it's, I mean, that's what's so much fun about working on something that's so big and with so many talented people is that there's things that, like, surprise me when I'm playing the game that, like, nobody ever talked to me about or anything like that. And, like, I mean, I think one of my favorites is uh, Rick the Door Technician. Yes, I was oh hoping we were able to talk about <laughs> oh, that. Was, yes, yes. I literally, like had to put the controller down because I was laughing, crying so hard yeah. when Rick, the door technician, came running at me, screaming, just, ah! that's, just like, So that's like the inverse of like having the faith that players will find this really cool giant boss, being okay with something that ridiculous being front and center in a AAA game. Like I was cackling. I think it's best. That's for me. That is best boss fight of 2023 oh, yeah. so far. Like I just like literally like force grabbed him and held him up. And he was like, what? What's going on? I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And that was one of those moments for me. It's like, I didn't know what was in the game. And you know, there's that brutal fight that you have like kind of on the base of the hangar that goes on and on and on several waves. Mm. You know what we wanted is we wanted everybody's health bar like to at a sliver, mm-hmm. and 
what what we saw in in the uh, focus test and then since the game is shipped, most people got there with like barely any health left, and they see this health, this boss bar come up and they're like, "Holy hell, what is this?" I remember during one of our when we do the focus tests, there's we actually have a camera on the player. Um, as they're playing the game, so we can kind of see what their reactions are for different parts. And one of the guys, it was priceless, that he, Rick the door technician starts coming towards him. And, and, and then he goes off, and he he's kind of runs backwards for a minute, and he's trying, trying to size up what's going on here. And then he goes in and just takes him down with one hit, and the guy, like, we just have a camera right on his face, and he starts cracking up. And he falls out of his chair. <laughs> and then we, the next time we see him, he's just kind of walking around in, in the space that he was in, just like, you know, just cracking up. And he couldn't believe what he had just experienced. I mean, that's, I mean, it's when you can make a game and you, and it, yeah, unless it's that kind I mean, of that's, response. that was like the best spoiler because you can't spoil a punchline. Like right. It's one thing for a plot to be like, oh, yeah. the, the good guy's a bad guy. Like, we've had that in Star Wars. Like, that's not yeah. really that unexpected. But like, to be like, don't give away this amazing thing because it's so <laughs> funny. Like, it's a really funny game. Like, it's yeah. it's yes. interesting because it's really it's really dark. Like, that's kind of expected of like a Star Wars sequel, but it also has a amazing sense of humor. You've got like you've got battle droids, you know, admiring beautiful landscapes. <laughs> yep. No one will ever pull me out this cliff. <laughs> and then if you turn around, there's actually a rainbow over there. I don't know if you noticed that. If you turn and look at what that battle droid was looking at, there's a uh, rainbow and like one of those like R3 icons that Cal will comment. He's like, oh, yeah, it is a pretty good view. Oh, my God. <laughs> is there any other? Yeah. Are there any other there's like NPC like throwaway lines that like sticks out as a favorite for you? I bet, you know, just like off the top of my head and I can't think of anything right now. There's yeah. so many of them. But like I do... To your point, yes, there's humor in the game. I think that is part of Star Wars. You know, like it's part of Star Wars DNA. We have to make sure that we get that right. And, and it's humor is really difficult mm-hmm. to write. And it's a testament to our writing team, like, and that we were able to pull it off. And, you know, a lot of it happens in those moments that are like, like ambient. You know, you're not mm-hmm. expecting it. It's not a moment. It's like, oh, here, here's a cutscene. I'm going to sit down and focus. It's just kind of like, you know, we have to bring a little bit of, the game can't always be dark. You have to have a little, like moments of levity to kind of like, so when the dark parts happen, they really, mm. you feel that contrast mm-hmm. and yeah. it sets in. So it's that, that we can be light like that, I think is, um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's the bottom line. It's fun. And it's, it's, it's nice, you know, on our Slack channel at work, like people finding things and posting videos and, and um, it, there's, so, there's thousands of blinds, thousands and thousands of blinds. And like everybody's experiencing something a little bit different and, and, you know, we were talking about earlier. It's like I don't know everything that's in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the director, this because it's <laughs> massive. There's is, so much stuff. Is yeah. there anything special on um, when on Kobo when you're going to the area, you're going through the forest area with your Neko and stuff, and there's that one stormtrooper just sitting down on that like perch, oh, going yeah. on. I, I tried messing with him. I tried doing things. I tried ignoring him. I couldn't figure out. Is there anything special with that stormtrooper, or is he just on break? He's on break and he's there for you to just like decide, hey, am I gonna like leave him peace peacefully or am I gonna force push him off? Am I gonna stab him in the back? There's, it's uh, end of the day, he's a bad guy. So <laughs> you 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 uh, if you if you decide to go in for the kill, then then uh, you shouldn't feel bad about it because you would have tried to kill Cal. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of like fun moments like that in this game for me. But I think the most fun I had was, I mean, that huge sequence on Jeddah, right? The uh, Trident. Is, sorry we call it the trident moment the trident moment yeah yeah because with, with a huge ship yeah yeah, yeah. and, and the, all the portals and stuff like oh my god like what 
a sequence like how did you guys like even think about having these i don't know all this teleportation and whatnot going on well that's one of so we wanted to you know we wanted Marin to have a special move that that we've never seen before that mm. uh, like makes you wonder how many other tricks does she have and uh you know for for that it's almost like she's kind of the conductor of the orchestra of the winds and um you know we've got this secret weapon designer named Robert Bloss, who is really good at these action sequences. He did the, uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, he did the sequence with the Ninth Sister where she's chasing Cal um, in her ship, like as he's going like through like crazy slides on, on uh, mm, Sheik. Right. And it's like, you know, let's, gave it to Bloss. He also, Bloss also worked on the speeder bike sequence as well too. Mm. Um, and uh you know like go to town on this come up with something that's crazy and it was always it was one of those sections it's a it's, it's risky for us as a team because we're, we're like you really have to ha have faith that when all the pieces come to, together it lands right mm -hmm. and this one was in kind of like what we would call gray box mode for a very very long time mm -hmm. and it was hard to kind of like for literally a couple of years rally the team to continue pushing through on this yeah. one because um you know, is, is, are we going too far with this one? But once all those pieces were there, once it's, it's, it, it's, it starts with a kiss, they team up together, they take the trident down. Um, it's all, it's amazing. And we actually, even when it was in gray box, when we were focus testing the game, we saw it was getting continuously getting really good scores. Yeah. And that's without any context of like what's happening, like in regards to the magic and the moment, like the kiss and yeah. I, and you said like you're afraid of going too far. What is like too far for a sequence like this? Um, I mean, pulling a star destroyer out of the sky, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's there's a fine line. Like when when it starts to feel like Cal is flying, and you mm. start to question things, um, but it's all grounded in this magic that Marin's Marin's created, yeah. and it's uh, intermixed with all these Jedi powers that you've learned. Um, over the course of the game. So if you look at it in a, va in a vacuum and you haven't played the game for, you know, what is it, 12 hours up to that point, um, it might feel like it's too, you've gone too far. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, you've learned all these different powers leading up to that. And it, I think, I feel like it's definitely earned. Yeah, it feels really satisfying, like having just learned all these abilities and getting a little like time to practice them, especially like that air dodge, which yep. is just so satisfying. But even more satisfying is just chaining all those things together in this like massive sequence. Uh, and all these other things are going on, but like as a player, you feel really good. Just like, Oh yeah, I can do this wall run here and then jump and then dash and then go into that portal. Like it was awesome. And the thing is, and I'm, I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is that we don't want it to be difficult. We don't want it to be something that's like a major skill check. Yeah. We want people to get through there. Like most people to get through there their first or second try. And um, that's not it, always an easy thing to do when you're talking about platforming. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But it does kind of, gu it does kind of guide you and it, and it gives you the, the tells so that I feel like most people had the, the enjoyment of getting through like the first or second try. So like, is that why we had like those tears that had the like more difficult platforming trials? Yep. Those were for the tryhards, the people who want to like, like, 
or masochistic maybe like <laughs> i want to i want to you know i want to get through this like this is fun i i love the platforming those sections those little tears those were great i love those kind of it made me a better player because sure. i was able to like i was like oh i can use this platform to get this and then i found myself like using some of those tricks in some of the later stages to be able to platform to things quicker than maybe the the laid out pathway because of those yeah uh, that's what they're there for i mean it's 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 a, a space not only for cal to train but for you to train as well too and it's again it's us putting value into things that are off the main path for those rewarding people for you know th that explore those um same with the with the um, um meditation like kind of like uh puzzle rooms that we have and everything like it's all it's it's all opt-in like yeah. if you want to do it, you can do it. If you want to check out, you can check out. But uh, you, it was really important that we give the player that type of freedom. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
what was your guys' kind of like philosophy going into those like the Jedi temples that we're kind of like diving into and solving all those puzzles? Because, um, you know, Zelda came out like years ago, Breath of the Wild, had all these shrines with all these really cool intricate puzzles. And then, you know, Fallen Order didn't really have that to my memory, if I don't remember. We had Maybe not, like, not opt-in ones. Not we, had, opt-in. we had like when you learn the force, there's I mean, we had a lot of puzzles in the game. And, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that, like, that we definitely um, draw inspiration from Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of cool mechanics in the game. We have some really ta- talented level designers that like doing uh, creating puzzles. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like they have like this toy box of different mechanics that they can use to to um, create these intricate designs. And again, it's 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 all about creating these challenges for those who want to take part in it. Um, and we we had kind of a clever rapper that these like were old, like high Republic, mm-hmm. like kind of training centers. Like we, we called it like, um, this is kind of like their, their NASA pilot <laughs> training facilities mm. type yeah. thing. I love that. <clears throat> now I want to touch on the high Republic stuff. Um, specifically I'm interested in sort of how game mechanics and lore that already exists interact because Ravis specifically fascinates me because he, you know, he's, he's a Gendai. He's got the, uh, you know, regenerative, arms and stuff which makes him a really good boss fight mechanically but he also is a species that can live hundreds of years so he can have this overlap with the high republic so that honestly what he is serves the mechanics and the narrative uh which which came first there how did that how did that come about like was he suggested by story group was this like someone in respawn coming across you know uh yeah, dirge i can't remember i don't I, I don't remember if that was whether it was a combat designer came up with the idea and then story um, jumped on board or if it was the other way around i do know that um you know we wanted to have this uh this very kind of regal character that was from this this uh 200 years before kind of the still f- following kind of like this old very noble path um he's basically immortal right mm-hmm. and he's just looking like his entire life has been about you know finding uh, the the ultimate fight, and eventually he knows that's going to lead to his his downfall. Um, but he does it. It happens in a very, like I said, noble way. And um, uh, I think that's you know following that that thread um, through is very satisfying for for the player. And um, it uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting trip. And 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 uh, the the type of villain he is, is, is not something that we you can just kind of like see everywhere. So, um, yeah. Now complete opposite end of the spectrum. Let's talk about Turgle. <laughs> uh, so he's kind of a surprise dark horse fan favorite. Uh, how does the team, uh, observe Turgle Tuesday in Turgley? <laughs> it's, you know, when you work on a game, you never know what are the things that people are going to latch on onto. And, Turgle, like the team loved Turgle. I think uh, uh, Richard Horvitz, the, the actor, did a fine job with him. Um, but it's like once it goes live, once it's out in the wild and seeing people's re- reaction with that, it confirms and validated. Oh, man, my chair. <laughs> um, it confirmed and validated, uh, you know, a lot of the feelings that we had on the team, it was, it was not just Turtle. I think the other one that's like... Scuvastev? Scuvastev. Scuvastev. <laughs> um, and they, yeah, again, J.B. Blank was, Blanc was uh, awesome. And uh, 
Yeah, they, there's sure to be new adventures for Turtle. Oh, I hear it. Ooh, oh. Turtle's coming back. Turtle will return. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Little Turtle. Um, do you have any other like sort of funny anecdotes from development? Anything? I mean, you talked about the guy falling out of his chair. Is there any sort of stuff like that that happens behind the scenes? Uh, this project was different than anything else that I worked on before. And like everybody's, we're in this world now where we're, um, you know, working remotely. So, you know, those, those kind of like improv moments don't happen the same way as they used to. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different moments. We actually just created just internally, we created a, like kind of a, like one of the producers on the team was collecting kind of like bloopers the entire project and he turned it into this really um well-made uh, blooper reel that um we just shared with the team a couple weeks ago is like it's in honor of the fact that we shipped the game and uh it's not something that we're ever going to go wide with <laughs> i mean that's the kind of it's 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 all kind of your question is all kind of encapsulated in one space and um the crazy things that that happen during development often happen uh in a live game um, so Matt Martin from the story group at Lucasfilm tweeted out something I thought was really funny. He was talking about how, uh, what is it? The, um, the hidden path, the, uh, sort of Jedi, you know, secret, you know, underground thing, the Jedi using, which was talked about in, in the Obi-Wan series. Yep. That was so tightly under wraps that when Survivor was, you know, doing mocap performances, the actors were shooting, they had to use the placeholder term Muni Metro when yep. talking about the hidden path, which is the San Francisco bus system for anyone unfamiliar. Was there any other like just weird working title stuff like that or any kind of things you had to keep top secret or play close to the chest that you are allowed to talk about at all? Um, I think that's that's probably the big, biggest example of something that we had, um, you know, whenever we're doing casting, we have to create kind of like what we would call it, it's a fake script essentially. Mm. And so people don't even know what they're casting for. Mm. Um, so there's, that's an example of like, you know, a hundred percent of what they're reading for is, I mean, I think some people can figure it out on the first game. They certainly couldn't cause they didn't even know that it, it existed. But, um, yeah, just terms like working terms. Like, I'm terrible with names in general. And when you work on something for three plus years and you're using like working titles the entire time, like people will ask me questions about the game and they'll, they'll bring up a character. And I'm like, I don't know who that is because <laughs> the, the names actually do, don't get in the game and get approved right. until like, uh, you know, months before show. Right. Did it have, did Survivor have a, a code name, like a working title internally? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, Applejack. Nice. Jack. Any reason? You just like Applejacks or? It's just a fun name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a nice word to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Applejack. It's great. Uh, now talking about, uh, sort of actors and the, the whole performance angle of it. Uh, Cameron Monaghan did an amazing job as Cal yet again. I, a, a lot of people I talked to were like more into him this time around. I feel like he kind of, mm -hmm. he's really kind of taken, you know, taken a shine of the role. He's really kind of attached himself to Cal. Yep. Uh, was there anything in the sort of in the story here that had him going like, I don't know if I would do that or like, hell yeah, this is totally, this is totally cow. So a lot of what, I mean, most of what Cal is in the game is what Cam brings to Cal's character. Mm -hmm. And he really tries to like, he reads the script and he tr really tries to wrap his head around like the meaning of each scene and how, um, you know, Cal would portray himself based on the character that he's been performing for so many years now. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's constantly, he's always 
constantly questioning um, on the stage, you know, like, you know, not only what Cam or Cal would be doing in a situation, but maybe, you know, the, the other people that are within the scene as well. So he's almost like a director on the stage. Mm. Um, I think it's safe to say. Were there any uh, moments in Survivor that he improvised and made it into the game? Um, the last, actually probably the most important moment in the game where he fires two shots. Mm. Yeah. Was his, that was his idea to make, to do the second shot. Oh, that, I mean, that moment for me was really interesting just because, I mean, going into the decision to kill Bode, I think like he is disarmed at that point. Like his blaster doesn't work anymore. Um, and Cal still goes for like, yeah, not only one shot, but two, um, can you talk about that? Like, just actually going through with killing Boat, even though it would be killing the father of this girl that he obviously, like, cares for now. He's a monster, though. Boat became a monster. And he, like I said earlier, he completely had lost the plot. And um, it took that moment. I mean, he, he would have killed Cal. If that, if mm-hmm. that shot fired from his blaster, Cal would be dead. Um, and he, Cal can't take that risk. Yeah. So that's what, why he did it with, like, you know, like, you know, extreme prejudice. He, he goes in for that second shot, and and um, um, and you know, there's that there's that stare between that moment between him and Marin as well too. It's like they're kind of in this together, and and uh, he got validation from her. It's like, yeah, that's that's what you should do. And I got some like I had conversations with other people about this game, and they had different interpretations. What do you think? Um, Kata's whole perception of the incident is like does she think her dad became a monster is she, does she hold some sort of you know grudge against Cal for doing this I think it's a good, really good question um, I think that I would like to know the answer to that question at some point um, but it's 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 designed the way it is for you to ask that question mm-hmm. um, and it's, I, I think it's up for your own interpretation. Yeah, I mean, she's with the crew now, I guess. And so, I mean, I'm very interested, interested to see what kind of tensions will arise maybe as a result of that. Maybe in another time jump and we'll see like how she has changed. But yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain a little on that. <laughs> uh, speaking of somebody who's very handy with a blaster, um, there is a nice fun cameo at the end of one of the mm. big side quests. Uh, well, how did that, how did, how did that kind of come into action? How did, how did we go to getting Boba Fett in uh, Jedi survivor? Cause I know that's gotta be like a <laughs> lot of like, you gotta get a lot of sign offs on that yeah. to get something like that. Yeah. It's a big deal. No doubt about it. And that's the whole point is like we, for the player that went down and completed that, that quest, we wanted to have like a really satisfying, unexpected, I mean, almost like a Vader moment in the first game that you were talking to. I didn't, I didn't expect it at all. I yeah. was like, what? I like, I spent probably a good 30 minutes in photo mode taking pictures with my buddy Boba Fett. Cause <laughs> I, I was just I didn't, like. I didn't finish that side quest. Yeah. I should probably go back and it's do that. Dope, so we yeah. just spoiled it for you? Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the spoiler cast, Max. <laughs> I know what Boba Fett looks like. It's a couple action figures. Um, now I wanted to uh, talk about the kind of the customization. You had like a bunch of really cool, I actually was just, I feel like there were some very subtle nods in there to like 
previous Star Wars games, like you could have the pauldron, like Kyle Katarn. Yep. You could have like there was an there's an Outrider armor set, which feels like a very much Dash Rendar kind of nod. Uh, it was all it was all like very it was all very tasteful. Like none of it felt like you know just a completely wacky character that wasn't wasn't in place. Even yeah. the even the sort of nods to like Luke and Obi Wan were like kind of retooled to fit Cal's whole aesthetic. Yep. Uh, were there any sort of suggestions or you know ideas that got pitched that just it just didn't work? Like either they were too out there, they were kind of too on the nose. Well, it's funny that you asked that because one of the ones that um, I originally thought we're going too far with was the mullet. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I'm like, come on. Like, it's like the, he, he looks ridiculous with this thing. Yeah. But everybody loved it. It was one of those ones. That, I mean, I'm not going to argue with like playtesting and, yeah. like, you know, what, what people think when, it's, when uh, they're playing something and like you get a really good response. It's like, okay, I was wrong. People love the mullet. But yeah. Love the mullet. And, and the, the funny thing is, I was converted. I like it now as well. So. <laughs> it feels very like in universe in a way. It's like the original Star Wars was, you know, from the 70s and like going into the 80s and like, yeah, people like looked like that, especially like action heroes, right? Like I, I started to build my whole character as like an '80s action hero, especially with the out, like these bright outfits, like even with the cape. But the mullet was always there. I always had that. Yeah, and and, and the one of the things like hair is a big deal to us. I don't have any hair, but it's like it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's always been a really big thing for the, since the first game. It's like we've got to have hair that's got volume in it and it like Cal can put his fingers through it and it blows in the wind and and uh and then we're like well, we're gonna have you know 15 a dozen different haircuts for this game how are we gonna make that work yeah and uh it was I mean we, we came up our uh, animation team came up with a really good solve that was all physics uh based and it ended up getting good results but it there were some hilarious hysterical moments like while we were developing where his hair would just do the wackiest stuff. <laughs> I, I gotta ask. You have so much, so much, so many cool options customization-wise, but you can't change the color of his hair. And with all due respect to yes. Ginger's, why, why is he always like? You can change the color of your droid, your lightsaber. You know, you could customize the spaceship in the last. Well, you do all sorts of major things, but you can't dye your hair. What's up with that? His hair is sacred. Like I said, the hair is a really big deal to our team. That's, I mean, that's his. That's the thing that's most iconic about him. And I think that like. Um, whenever somebody sees uh, Cal, they they can't mistake him for somebody else, and a lot of that has to do with the you know the the fact that he's ginger, and um, and uh, yeah, it's hmm. it's that was deliberate. But to your point though, you can do some crazy color stuff in the game that like can get kind of cringy and like like the, the way that you can color the lightsaber and the blasters oh i changed i was changing my saber bd1 and cal's clothing and hair probably every 30 minutes of the game my partner was working downstairs he'd come up and seeing me play and he'd be like you're wearing a different outfit like than you were 20 minutes ago i'm like there's so many options like i'm having fun let me just dress up cal yeah <laughs> It feels like a direct response to the the complaint about the ponchos in the last mm. one. And then there was there was a poncho in here, but it's like it's kind of kind of off the beat. It's buried, yeah. Um, I wore my poncho in pink. Just <laughs> not the, that was the reward for the spawn fight, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, we almost didn't have any ponchos in the first game. It's it was uh, or just the beginning one. It was. Like, remember I said, you know, we were flying the air, airplane building at the same time. That was one of the things that came in really late. It's like, we finally got the game connected and we're playing through it. It's like, this is cool, but like, I'm not getting anything when I'm playing the game. And so we wanted to have some rewards for the player. And then we, we had like a brainstorming session and 
that's where we came up with customizable lightsabers, BD skins, Mantis, and you know we can do poncho skins. But it was all really late, so we didn't have the um, you know bandwidth to do something that was like as high dollar as what we ended up um, with in the sequel. But I guess that's another one of those things we knew coming out of Fallen Order that we were going to double down on customization, and we felt like we nailed it with a lightsaber customization in the first game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of our guiding light was let's give everything uh, the lightsaber treatment. Yeah. And that's where you, you get these costumes that are, they're, they're really high quality. Do we get, are we going to, have we thought about adding fancy hats to the next one? It would fall off. Um, so it was jumping around. It'd you fall just off. go pick it back up force power, pull it right back. I don't buy that. <laughs> so we actually considered helmets in this game. Oh, and um, we had it, like some helmets, like we act, had like uh, real-time voice modulation. So some helmets would change his voice. Oh. We had that working. The problem with the helmets was um, they would, there were so many problems with how they would script the f- performance and very like kind of <laughs> touching an emotional scene. It's kind of, you know, he's, you've got some haircuts in there that are kind of ridiculous, but the scene still still works like how do we do the kiss if he's wearing a helmet right you know like so it just it was a debate that just went back and forth and back and forth and ultimately i just said we got to cut helmets like we're we're not going to be able to ship with them so doesn't mean the helmet conversation um you know i'm not i'm not done yeah. i was gonna say i was gonna say so so that means we might have a chance at seeing it for like for future playthroughs because i would love to go back through and have just voice modulation for a bunch of the cutscenes and just your look. eyesight will return in time <laughs> just extra <laughs> ridiculousness that's what i love in my follow playthroughs like now we, we should ask about what's next you're not going to give us a, a straight answer because that's not how things work you you alluded to thinking in terms of trilogies which doesn't officially mean that there is a another game coming out but this one sold a couple copies you guys so. you have two games under your belt that did pretty well i could you know see that happening do you have an idea in your head for what the next one looks like or is it i guess how collaborative is it like is it do you have like sort of this this is the next one this is the story and then everyone kind of like workshops that or uh is it just the entire team comes together and just works on a pitch like what i guess how do where does this where does the Star Wars Jedi game come from? Yeah, just to qualify, I think about not not just Star Wars, just games in general as, as trilogies. It's the, and and you know, Star Wars I owe a lot to Star Wars because of that, like, you know, they kind of um, drilling that into me since I was a little kid. But um you know, we're still supporting Survivor right now. Um the team is out, like most of the teams on like they had a lot of leftover PTO that they want to burn or we had you know, comp time at the end of the project, you know, for like all the people that were doing overtime. So don't have like a group together to start really crafting what's next of anything. Um, And like I said, we're working on, we're still supporting Survivor right now. And that's kind of where our focus is. And, but yeah, I'd like to, whatever we're um, kind of hashing out a new game, um, there's a, you know, usually begins with design and, and writing and, uh, you know, uh, then we start to, once we have something that's like, can be easily described, that's when we, we start to, you know, have conversations with the greater team. And of course, in those early stages, we're involving Lucasfilm and, um, you know, they're, it, that's always a really good collaboration. And oftentimes we can find out opportunities that we didn't even know mm. existed. I mean, you definitely set up a lot of pieces that could go in many directions. You know, you've got 
Padawan, who could be the whole new character. You've established, you know, characters in the High Republic era. A lot of directions to go. Uh, we are running out of time here, but I have one last very serious question. This is the uh, second canonical appearance of a toilet or a fresher <laughs> in Star Wars uh, after the Mandalorian, and you really have one hell of one. How does it work? <laughs> Because it's got... You're not going to ask me this, are you? It's got... There's like an exhaust pipe on the side. There's like a little hole in the bottom. There's a thing in the back. I think it's... it's take your pick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like, honestly, like, when you're designing a toilet for a world where there's so many different types of people, creatures, yeah. uh, and different, you know, ways that they could excrete things, uh, w like... How did you really like? We got to make something that looks like a normal toilet, but Star Warsy. Yeah, I think the artists had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> were there were there things? I mean, were there ones that you rejected and were like, no, this is. Too I far? actually th that was one of those one of the things that like first time I saw it was live in the game. Oh really? I was like, and that was the and, one, and I didn't even know about the pickup that was there either. <laughs> so like that was another one of those moments that was really funny for me. Kind of like a like you know like we got we got a, a good group of people with. Um, Sense of humor. It's a, nice, so we, it's a nice toilet, you know? It came out well. So we need to bring on the person who designed the toilet then to ask them the specific questions. That's yeah. a deal. Yeah. Well, All right. That's our next spoiler cast. Stig, thank you so much for coming by and hanging out. And also, thank you for making a phenomenal Star Wars game. We had, all had a yeah. ton of fun with that. Thanks now. for playing it. And uh, yeah, great, great conversation today. Yeah. Anyway, uh, dying to see what you do next. Uh, thank you to everyone for watching and listening at home and beyond. 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 We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman Saga and Lore Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands.